Gabriel? Yes, Daniel. Happy 150 fucking episodes. 150 fucking episodes? Fuck yeah, hit the fucking theme music. You got it, babe. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, wow. I'm, uh, yeah, you really sprung that on me today. Yeah, man. Uh, did it, Was it this morning or last night? This morning. Yeah. Also, you stopped numbering the episodes in, like, Stitcher, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, meanwhile, when I put them uh, together and whatnot, also well, a lot of, it's not just me, it's it's a lot of, like, Comedy Bang Bang also stopped doing that as well, because <sighs> they're, like, because, okay, listen, podcasting is only a format, there's not a lot of, like, unity and whatnot, so, like, some, like, I, or Apple Podcasts, I should say, Apple like, Podcasts. like, add numbers to the episodes, so everything is double numbered, mm. and so, like, it's been that thing where it's, like, you need to either change it, or, like, comedy bang bang just like took off the numbers as well and it's like i just took off the numbers it doesn't really matter also because at the same time there's there like there's this thing where only a hundred episodes of this is actually available for most uh podcast uh catchers that's very strange uh and i don't know why hmm. that's a that's a lot of I, okay so we started very seriously i don't yeah. like this <laughs> yeah hey that, that's that's exactly how we launch the 150th episode of this podcast with slow boring tech talk <laughs> welcome to double numbered your well, podcast analysis podcatcher app news show yeah welcome back to talking about behind the scenes where all we do is talk about behind the scenes podcasts. Welcome back to Curtains for you. Gabriel? Yeah. This is Slow Readers. Sure is. America's fast-paced literature podcast. The only explicit literature comedy podcast in the fucking market. In the fucking world. Suck it overdue. (laughs) Suck it overdue. You guys don't curse enough. You guys don't do nothing. Gabriel, this is a show brought to you by Top Gallant Radio. Here, the conversation's always on books. Always on reading it's always on words on the page it's always on literature it's always on levels adjusting it's always on levels adjusting a minute into the episode correct like five whatever long well we, we started for. shouting then it got real quiet to talk about you know statistics yeah that's and then true. we're back to shouting that's back our show to, back to shouting shacked about it shacked about it gabriel Yes, Daniel. We'll introduce ourselves in a moment. 150 oh, yeah. fucking episodes. 150 episodes. Yeah. I'm 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 at a loss here. Uh, well, if you think back, we're roughly three years into this. That's pretty crazy. In into this, what we like to call in the in the industry, bullshit. This fucking horse shit. 150 episodes of this. Hey, you listen crazy. to it. Y'all listen to us. Y'all crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, we this, love you. This is crazy. I mean, we'll we'll get into we'll celebrate more during like the, the game I set up. Yeah, which is kind and, of. And we'll have a three year anniversary episode as well. Yeah, that should be soon. That'll be that'll be Harry Potter four, and we'll get extra drunk for that one. Yes, Wizard School will return. Part four. Gabriel, fart poor. Who and what are you? Hello, everyone. My name is Gabe Mara. I'm a comedian. I'm a writer. I'm a podcast producer. And well, just found out today that all the bars in California <laughs> are closing thanks to COVID nineteen. So um, I won't be bartending for a while. Maybe mm. I'll be a Postmates driver by the time this comes out. For maybe a month. For maybe a month. We'll I mean, see. we'll see. Because I tell you what. I mean, we'll talk about this more after the fact. But it's like, yeah. I mean, n- nothing like this has ever happened before. So possibly yeah. a lot of people who like are bartending and like need bartending money have to get like other jobs and whatnot to yeah. kind of make up for this. So Ditch digging. Maybe when like bars start to like reopen and whatnot. Prostitution. That like, that, like all you of a sudden. the prostitutes are suffering too? 
Yeah, what are they going to do? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I guess, I mean, we don't know. Things Nobody might knows. change in a day, maybe in a week. Maybe Daniel and I will be dead. Yes, maybe we're, maybe we'll all be dead. This will be my last will and testament. Yes. Gabriel, yeah. uh, I am Daniel Gonzalez. Hello, Daniel. <laughs> Introduce yourself further. Uh, I am a writer, audio producer, editor, and an author yeah, you are. of fiction. And of note. I also put that in the wrong thing. Also, I got something on the back of my throat. I'm not sick right now. It ain't so if you hear me <clears throat> cough and clear my throat, that's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was drinking and all of a sudden I'm shouting. So like I have something in the back of my throat right now. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, have to, uh, I do the audio and the writings. Gabe. Yes, Daniel. Gabe Murr. That's me. Uh, we have something Gabo? very exciting to Gabo? talk about. Oh, also speaking of Gabo, actually before we get to Gabo. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just realized that not only is this a, a book, uh, a book. Not only this is a book. Not only is this an episode that's going to be on 100 Years of Solitude by yes. Gabo Garcia Marquez. Mm-hmm. Not only is this the 150 episode of this, Slow Readers. Of slow Readers. But this is actually returning to one of our favorite sub-series. Yeah. Uh, Brandon. Stranded. Branded Stranded. It's Stranded and Branded. Stranded and Branded. Or Stranded, Dead or Alive. Uh, yeah, we're basically, we're going through all the stupid fucking Stranding yes. list. For those of you who are unfamiliar <laughs> with The Strand, The Strand is quite possibly the best bookstore in best the bookstore. world. Yeah. It is in New York City in the East Village-ish, right mm-hmm. by uh, um, Union Square and like NYU territory. Yeah. It's like over 16 miles of books. Amazing, amazing bookstore. Great, great bookstore. prices. However... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all the all the fucking numbnuts out there who are big <laughs> fans of the Strand, who all the people who take surveys, um, there was a survey taken of the top eighty most favorite reader favorite books, and the Strand compiled yeah. them, and the list is sorry to say a wet sack of shit. Yeah, and you know what? That's not the Strand's fault, or for most of it. That's yeah. that's mainly your fault, the listener readers. Oh, a spaceship. Mm. Especially about buy. Oh no! It's kind of like having like shitty kids. The parents. It's not quite the parents' fault, but also maybe they should be reading them in. To be fair, it was it was the parents' fault to uh, list the children. Uh, one as being like an or a bunch of them being like single like series of books. Yeah. And then like having seven of like the wastrels who are all like individual books within that same subseries. Yeah. Looking at you, Harry Potter. Yeah. For some reason, Lord of the Rings, one selection. Uh, um, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, one, one selection. selection. Individual. Harry Potter books take up individual spots, which is insanity. Which is insanity. Also, massive lack of diversity in that list. I'm sure, yeah. Again, it, the, the the horrible thing about the list is that, and maybe that's not necessarily even like the reader's fault, it's more just like that's how what literature, popular literature has been like in America and whatnot, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, but these are the ones that are have been, a lot of them are like books that are no surprise that they're a lot of people's favorites. Sure. And they're just like generally accepted as them. Gone with and the that's Wind. Gone with the, Gone with the Wind. Huge fan favorite of readers out there. Look, yeah. Looking at you guys out there. All you, all you <laughs> Southern Bells. All you Southern Bells. Anyway, so let's talk about it. I'm tired of it. Yeah. So yeah, um, this was on the Strand 80 <laughs> list. We rolled a die. We landed on it. So we fucking did it. Yep, and right now we landed on a book that me and you, Gabe, we yeah. love this fucking book. Yeah, we love this book. I am, um, I am, as I've said before, I'm named after Gabriel Garcia Marquez. That's yeah, why my name's Gabriel. That's why your name is Marquez. I was supposed to be a girl, and my parents wanted to be Gabrielle. Too bad, came off a wiener. Came off a wiener, and they never let you forget that. They never, ever did. Yeah. They'll look at me, put the bow on my head, and are like, <laughs> you were supposed to be a girl. Yeah. We totally sleepaway camped it. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> Gabriel! Yeah. Uh, I, th- You know, when was the last time we did... Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Um, last time we did him, we did Chronicle of a Death Foretold. Yeah, do you know how long ago that was? That was probably like, um, I think that was back in back in the East Coast. Back in the East Coast, most deaf. I'm almost certain. Uh, that said, I don't know if we've ever really gone into the. I think we actually started to 
do what we're doing and like yeah without any kind of formality w- w- yeah without any formality we're kind of like w- right now obviously we we're, we're going to like the history of like the author and the and the book and any because kind we're of, a real literature podcast uh, because we're a real literature fucking podcast for real and um but that's a the realest uh, most explicit one Gabe, yeah. Also, it's been a long ass time since we talked about him. Sure, uh, Daniel. L- can you give us a history on Gabo? I can indeed. Um, un- unfortunately, as always, after if, at least strand authors, yeah. especially if they're dead, they have massive biographies. So I really try to put only the essential or the really cool stuff in here. Yeah. Either uh, way, um, especially when you're talking about uh, apparently what was who has been called like like the the greatest Latin American to have ever lived. Mm-hmm. So yeah, greatest Colombian. Greatest Colombian. Yeah. I thought so, it was I thought it was Latin. Oh, could be. I don't know. What about um Salma Hayek? No, no. I'm saying some like the president of. Oh, maybe yeah, it was Colombia. It was the president of. Colombia said that about he was the greatest Colombian yeah. to have ever lived. Yeah, uh, his name was Juan Manuel Santos, president of Colombia, who called him the greatest Colombian who ever lived. Okay, Colombian. Okay, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Bye. So yeah, if you're sensitive to my mouth sounds, Sean, um, <laughs> get ready for him. Also, suck it, Sean. Suck it, Shawnee. Be horny. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. Anyway, okay. so Gabriel Jose de la Concordia Garcia Marquez was born March 6, 1927, in Aracataca, Colombia. Now, I just want to pause you for a second, because I realized this uh, when I was... Because I was, like, revisiting the uh, awesome Crash Courses video where they kind yeah. of, like, break down the thing and whatnot. Old John Green. Uh, John Green lists in that several times and makes a very uh, solid point that uh, Gabriel Mar- Garcia Marquez was born in 1922. The Is Wikipedia he? has him being born on March 6, 1927. Yeah, I did see that. In the back of this paperback, he's being listed as born in 1928. Interesting. So, like... One of two of those isn't correct. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh, I'll get. It. I would trust either your book or John Green. This is the Wikipedia. I'm. I did all my research there, off of. There's a really interesting point that I want to get to, but like, I want to talk about this when we get yeah, into this, the, the. My books is twenty seven. Twenty seven. Yeah. yeah. We have two different yeah, uh, paperbacks. This is the editions. Harper Perennial Modern Classics. Yeah, and I have the. You also the, have Harper Perennial, don't you? Well, yeah, yeah, but it's like a different cover and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I want to get into that because there's actually a really interesting. Uh, context for something that actually happens in this book that oh, historically snap. happened in 1928. Hmm, so, is but, the banana thing? Yeah, banana thing. The exactly. Banana massacre. Uh, so Gabriel, I'm sorry. I don't uh, actually go into the banana massacre during my thing. Okay, it's pretty light. Well, yeah, I'll get into it when we'll we get into talk it later on. Book, we'll get into the whole text. Yeah. So he was mostly raised by his maternal grandparents in Aracataca, while his mother and father lived in Maranquilla, where Gabriel Eligio Garcia, his father, was a pharmacist. <laughs> the colonel who was Luisa Santiago Marquez's father, his maternal grandfather, didn't approve of Garcia, who was both a conservative mm. and a womanizer. Yeah. Just like Brittany said. Gabriel Eligio wooed Luisa, violin serenades, love poems, countless letters, and even telephone messages. Wow. wow. After her father sent her away with the intention of separating them. So her parents tried everything they could to get rid of Eligio, um, Eligio Garcia, but he just kept on coming back, and finally, and, you know, clearly the daughter loved him. So they finally, the family was like, fine, you can marry him. And this kind of inspired Love in a Time of Cholera, mm-hmm. which is fun. A book I, uh, I've never read, but I've always wanted to. Yeah, yeah that is my, I mean, we'll get into it later. Um, I read all the Marquez's like big books mm-hmm. like like 15 years ago. Yeah. And Cholera was my favorite back then. I did I did Gamar Marmar because I couldn't remember to say Garcia Marquez every time. <laughs> the Colonel. Garcia Marquez's grandfather was a liberal veteran of the Thousand Days War mm-hmm. and was a highly respected here among the Colombian liberals. Yeah, d- clearly has nothing uh, 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 similar to that that happens in the actual book. Itself. No, not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. No colonels. No colonels, no wars, no liberals and no, conservatives. No, no, no Colombians. No Colombians. Let's see here. Okay. So 
Garcia Marquez called him Papalelo, which is fun. Um, the two of them strongly influenced his early development as a writer. Mm-hmm. Papalelo was an excellent storyteller. He was his, quote, umbilical cord of history and reality and taught Marquez lessons from the dictionary to come to the circus and even introduced him to ice. Mm. Papalelo also frequently, frequently told him, I can't imagine why it would come up that often, quote, you can't imagine how much a dead man weighs. <laughs> so he just, like, wakes him up and goes, boy! You can't imagine how much a dead man weighs. Guys, we're going to go to the Disneyland this weekend. And let me tell you, boy, you can't imagine how much a dead body weighs. <laughs> Kids, don't forget. Love you. You can't imagine how much a dead man weighs. You know, I'm going to start using that. Go ahead. Right. I love that. That could be our that could be our next T-shirt. <laughs> yep. Garcia Marquez's grandmother, Doña Tranquilina Iguaran Cotes. Cotes, like, um, like Petra Cotes. That's okay. cool. Played an influential role in his upbringing as well. He was inspired the way she, quote, treated the extraordinary as something perfectly natural. Yes. The house was filled with stories of ghosts and premonitions, omens and portents, all of which were studiously ignored by her husband. <laughs> Love that. According to Garcia Marquez, she was, quote, the source of the magical, superstitious, and natural view of reality. It was all about, so I like the idea that these two people influence everything with magical realism in yeah. him. Moving on to the rest of his life, Marquez studied law in Bogota, and the Universidad Nacional de Colombia, but he spent most of his time reading fiction. In particular, he was really, really into... I don't know what this means, but Jorge Luis Borges supposedly had a quote-unquote false translation of the metamorphosis. Yes. Uh, Do you know what that means? <laughs> a little bit. And actually, well, no, I don't, but I'm super interested in that as well. I saw that. Uh, I'm very interested. I need to get more into like the history and story of Borges. I would love to read a biography of him. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, and I'm going to get, in, and I don't want to put a pause in this to talk about this too much and whatnot, about like the relationship between like all these Latin American authors and a certain author named Billy Foxner. Sure. Uh, because like it, there, there's a thing where like for example all of like all uh, uh spanish translations of uh faulkner were translated into spanish by borges oh. um and honestly that sounds like a more interesting read than most faulkner books um <laughs> but that said no he's done he's done a lot of interesting things and we could talk about this more in terms of like magical realism and like sure. latin american history with this but like how much like he uh borges in particular uh did things like he would pretend I mean, fiction does this as well, like where like they pretend like they're translating a fictitious book, but like the whole thing is original. And I think by doing like he, like he's pretending that like, he basically wrote an original story that's kind of based on the metamorphosis. Interesting. I, be- I, I believe. I, I I mean, I'm assuming that's what it is. I mean, that has to be that. Like but a false translation. That's clever. Yeah, I, but I'm really interested. But I'm sorry, I don't mm-hmm. want to. I don't want to put a pause. In no, this. no, not at all. So, um, boy, I wrote a lot here. I, I can kind of skip no, no, a lot no, of this. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. 100, so, um, 150 yeah. fucking episodes, man. Yeah. So basically, Marquez became a. Uh, he started studying law, but then he eventually became a reporter, being more interested in journalism. Maybe most famously, there's a story of a shipwrecked sailor, one of his most famous works. Yeah. It was um. So he published this in a newspaper as a columnist and a reporter, and it it discredited and contradicted the official reports of what happened in a Navy wreck. And because of this, because everyone was like, dude, fuck that guy. Marquez is trouble. <laughs> he was sent to Europe to be a foreign correspondent for a while. Yeah. Um, I, I dare, I want everybody out there to especially read the uh, prologue uh, in that book, which is written by Garcia Marquez, mm-hmm. which is like great because like, it shows it's him kind of saying like, hey, here's the context of this. This is what happened afterwards. All the story that happened to me. But like, there's this beautiful sense of, um, 
ego and self-importance that he kind of puts like him because he he did that by like interviewing extensively the survivor of this wreck and whatnot which is where the story comes from but like how like imagine this like he's interviewing him about discussing this tragedy that happened and he's like i did this and i wore him down and i kept challenging him with contradictory questions and everything (laughs) and i i love the idea about this fucking guy yeah there's like 30 something reporters like bullying this dude to survive of a wreck yeah like kind of like a david simon who's like super being like i'm doing something that's important this is important this is big than you and like the other guys who's like survive this is fucking exhausted (laughs) he's still wet (laughs) i'm sorry all right so when he returned from europe in 1958 garcia marquez finally married his love mercedes barcha who had waited for him Mm. their first son rodrigo garcia is actually the director of albert knobs starring glenn close oh and several episodes of hbo shows including the sopranos six feet under and your favorite daniel carnival yes carnival yeah the, he did like five episodes of carnival <laughs> the best fucking uh concept ever to a very lackluster show yeah yeah the, the yellow bastard is in it i know that much it's great in it too yeah. in 1961 the family traveled by greyhound bus across the southern united states especially because of garcia marquez's obsession with william faulkner's stories mm. eventually they settled in mexico city where marquez spent most of his time from then on Mexico City, yeah. Yeah. He wrote a few novellas like Leaf Storm and No One Writes to the Colonel, and his first novel, In Evil Hour, was published in 1962, mm-hmm. before 100 Years of Solitude, which was published in 1967. Yes. He had wanted to write a novel about his grandparents' house ever since he was 18, and one day, while driving his family to Acapulco, inspiration for the tone struck him. He completely turned the car around and drove straight back home and sold the car so he could start writing and the family <laughs> could live off something for a little while. It took too long, though, because eventually they they ended up needing nine months worth of rent and credit and food from everyone. So that's pretty funny. <laughs> okay. Luckily for him, the book was a massive fucking success. Um, it helped usher in the Latin American boom in the Americas, yes. along with Julio Cortazar of Argentina, Carlos Fuentes of Mexico, and Mario Vargas Llosa of Peru, who famously punched him in the face. Yes. I think you know that story better than I do. Actually, no, I was going to say, I thought you know the story. I don't actually. I always have problems remembering his name. Oh, Mario Vargas Llosa? Yeah. Uh, well, I've actually, I forgot. I thought Garcia Marquez punched him. No, Mario, the other Mario Vargas Llosa punched him in the face. I tell you what, I'm going to look this up during one of our breaks because I want to get that story. Yeah. It, it, it's always, yeah. Yeah, so like the popularity of his writing was actually kind of what got him to be friends with powerful leaders, including Fidel Castro, yes. which I believe is why Mario, Bar- Mario Vargas also punched him in the face. That could be why. Also, I j- I'm sorry, I want to tack on real quick. Also, speaking of uh, 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 Borges and whatnot, um, he... Uh Borges got immensely popular like decades after like he wrote his original materials in America because of uh, Garcia Marquez Mm -hmm. that like I think he was probably like one of like the most popular writers even though like his books came out decades before like the 60s and 70s when this was going on Mm -hmm. so I just want to say that you know it'd be really great you make a uh, you become a hip hop um, like like artist and then you uh, do a bunch of raps based around um, works of Latin American fiction and you call your album the feast of the goat I don't get it. No? <laughs> I don't... What's, what's that? <laughs> well, no. Nowadays, parlance goat means greatest of all time. Okay. And Mario Vargas Llosa, one of his most famous works, is called The Feast of the Goat. Okay. That I was did. really clever. God damn it. I don't know God that guy. <laughs> damn it, you fuck. I don't know how to say his name, too. Anyway, William Kennedy, yeah, the Pulitzer Prize winning author of Ironweed, called 100 Years of Solitude the first piece of literature since the book of Genesis that should be required reading for the entire human race. Yes. Here's what Marquez said about it, okay. about his own book. Most critics don't realize that a novel like 100 Years of Solitude is a bit of a joke. 
full of signals to close friends. And so, with some preordained right to pontificate, they take on the responsibility of decoding the book and risk making terrible fools of themselves. <laughs> I, I, I love that. There's a really great, I mean, like, if you ever studied, like, the history of, like, great, quote-unquote, great artists and, like, their, quote-unquote, great uh, bodies of work and whatnot, especially, mm-hmm. like, their masterpieces, yeah, they tend to have complicated histories with them. And also, like, no great mas- like master artist ever considers themselves to be, like, that good usually yeah or or they're not as self-serious as some people take them yeah i love the stories of how like ingrid berg ingrid ingmar bergman <laughs> yeah. one of the great directors of somber tragic cinema would all would be on set of a cinematographer like fucking around all day they'd be like <laughs> dicking around and like making fart jokes yeah no it's similarly uh stanley kubrick like the quote great stanley kubrick um like i forgot who was like a producer he worked with all the time mm-hmm. like their their like catchphrase essentially be like well still fooling them <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good i like that anyway so um he went on to become a great author obviously publishing many many more novels Mm -hmm. um in 1999 marquez was diagnosed with lymphatic cancer chemo or not you know chemo proved to be successful Mm -hmm. and began to write his memoirs and eventually he would write his final work of publication memories of my melancholy horrors in 2004 Mm -hmm. in 2012 he was rumored to have dementia and in 2014 he died of pneumonia at the theoretical age of 87 supposedly if he was born in whatever yeah Yeah, pretty much (laughs) um but yeah i think it was yeah um and i'm sure you saw this as well but there was like a lot of like like uncertainty that was going on at the end of his life where he kept claiming that like he like all i do is all right yeah i have like another book and it's called whatever Mm -hmm. and it's coming out very soon he's like prince and then like other people yeah like prince um dead uh but but, uh but no the and then like other people would be like i don't know if he's coming out with the book and then i think his brother was one who's like listen he he's suffering through dementia right now like yeah yeah. he's 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 like literally writing like like gibberish over and over again probably yeah he's he's being like james joyce or something Uh, 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 that's sad actually one-eyed fuck (laughs) a one-eyed fuck that's gabriel garcia because at the end of his life a one-eyed fuck yeah uh so that was the life of um, gabriel garcia marquez aka gabo aka gabo But yeah. This is the ladies call me. <laughs> Gabo. Mm-hmm. Gabo, babo. Oh, Gabo. Oh, Gabo. Yeah, I know. Gabriel. Mm-hmm. So 100 Years of Solitude, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a big topic. It A big topic. A big book. Big book. It is apparently the, the most important uh, uh, work of fiction since the book of Genesis. Yeah. Um, but that said, uh, we both have read this before. Yes, indeed. Like some years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like. I don't know how well you read this, but I mean, even like last time I read this, like it was kind of like a fucking mix of just being like, yeah, I read it. Yeah. Like I read the important parts. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. I read this thing cover to cover 15 years ago. 15 years ago. But like you like, like really had the patience to like sit down and like, and like read this. I managed to. Yeah. Back then. I mean, I have it riding the subway every day really helps. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I feel like there's this thing going on and I, and I wonder if it's COVID-19. I feel like this is all pe- uh, people and whatnot. We're like, we're, we had a lot more patience to like really read something as dense and heavy and intricate and complex as something like this. And like, unfortunately, even now, like I, I I'm like faltering every time. Yeah. And, uh, but well, I didn't have video games back then. Sure. That's the other, that's the other thing. And podcasts. I reinstalled fucking Red Dead Redemption 2. What am I thinking? Clearly, because you're just like, I don't care about nothing no more. Boy, I sure want to give up on all my creative (laughs) endeavors. That's it. Yeah. Uh, So 100 Years of Solitude, right? Let me, uh, in brief, discuss what this book is about. It's impossible to tell the story of this book. So, Daniel, give us the briefest possible summary. Because I'm sure if if you're listening to this, either you've read it, you've read it a while ago, or you're interested, and you can't spoil the book, and you can't 
tell the whole thing. In fact, knowing the direction things go in might actually make it more enticing and whatnot. And also yeah. hearing us describe it, because I can't stress enough. I love this book. It's an amazing book. It's an amazing book. But that's it. Okay, so this is essentially the story of the Buendia family mm-hmm. uh, in Marcondo. Macondo. Macondo. Uh, a bar and house I, in the street. I feel like a name I'm going to mess up. But apparently, like, this is basically the story of the family going through uh, a bunch of different uh, generations. Seven like, generations. Five, five, six, seven, five, something five like that. Five or seven. I think, um, well... I remember, well, mainly it's five. Like, mm. technically, the only last one that's important is the um, Aureliano, like the last one. Which one? The last one. Sure. <laughs> the one who uh, deciphers a, a name I, I always mispronounce. I was like Melchiadas, but it's like like Melchiades or something like Mel- that. Melchiades? Yeah, something like that. Um, and uh, by the way, apologies for all the uh, names. I am only a fake Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel's only half. Uh, my mother was born in El Paso. She, she mm-hmm. don't know no Spanish. Anyway. Daniel, diehard Cowboys fan. That uh, my mother is. I know your mom is. Uh, but that's it. So this is the story of them. And like basically, like it is the, it is their history in this town and whatnot, how they're tied together. Yeah, they founded this town. They f- they founded this town, uh, and basically, like they bring it up and whatnot. And their story is essentially the story of the town, essentially. However, for the most part, like this family tends to kind of like repeat names uh, mm-hmm. between like naming their children. Like the the patriarch is Jose Arcadio Buendia, and then there's like the Aurelianos and the Jose Arcadios. Yes. Um, the generations go down. They reuse the name over and over again in a symbol of like cyclical life. And yeah. Time. And loosely kind of separating like like the individual like Aurelianos and the Jose Arcadios, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like there's the uh, the Ursulas, the Amaratas, Amarantas, and the uh, what was it? Uh, Remedios? Remedios? Yep. Those there's are the women. Re- a couple of Remedioses. Those are the women and basically it is their story you have the uh, Aurelianos who tend to be withdrawn mm-hmm. and like and like very like serious and then there's the Jose Arcadios which tend to be more like boisterous boisterous like outgoing extrovert and like tend to like kind of like self-destruct yeah. I guess um and basically for the most part I know there's like one generation where the the Segundos right that, Segundos. yeah who like tend like their personalities seem to be I mean, that's switched. where I left my wallet <laughs> what's that that's where I left my wallet how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That's so over my head. I'm trying to. I'm trying to summarize this book. What, what is that a reference to? <laughs> oh, that's a reference to what's it called? To a tribe called Quest Song called "I Left My Wallet in El Segundo." Oh, really? No, yeah. I, I, I left okay. my wallet in El Segundo. My tribe called Quest knowledge is absolutely out the window. I don't. Well, I, you have all the Wu Tang knowledge. Go on, Daniel. I have all the Wu Tang. I know about the Shaolins. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, that said, so basically, it is the story about them and their family, like basically like repeating like the history of the past that yes the family has this weird and of course the, like and again this is uh another important thing is that this is magical realism so yes. like it's the, a it's a fabular tale of a multi-generational epic and how they self-destruct repeatedly yeah and especially the name in the in the sense of like the town like history like actual history real world history tends to uh intermingle with like mythology and just the outright mm-hmm. fantastical as you said sure. um and essentially like and also the family in particular has this bizarre uh thing with like being like for the most part pseudo incestuous until it becomes incestuous but yeah a lot of that is also definitely like like it's supposed to be like thematic sure you know but essentially is the story about a family kind of repeating its own mistakes until at the very end when the final like the very last uh surviving member of this family uh an aureliano is uh deciphering the uh these encoded text from the, mm-hmm. the melchiades who was a gypsy who like basically is something like of like the merlin of the family this yeah. outsider he was a he was a gypsy who was a good friend to the very first one um jose arcadio buendia yeah and uh, melchiades was also the first person to die in Marcondo. true 
Um, but also he reads, he, he finally deciphers this text once the text reaches a hundred years uh, uh, of age. And basically the text that like was basically gifted to the very first uh, uh, Buendia basically like was a history foretelling the entire history of the family, like mm-hmm. everything that just happened. And then when the Aureliano reads, like finally deciphers this and reads this, the book essentially creates like a storm and like sucks up the entire town. And that's how the book ends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, they know. Um, uh, so let's 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 talk. Let's break this down very quickly okay. for those who don't know it. What is magical realism? Okay, magical realism is basically uh, taking like essentially a very like plain uh, realism and basically interjecting it with like basically moments of straight face, like fantastical, like mm-hmm. like crazy things and whatnot. And but the most important thing is the is like the straight facedness of it, you know, yeah. because as you said, like uh, this was based on his grandmother telling him story, uh, Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez stories where she would basically go from like very like mundane details about what's going on and then like interject like f- like Spirits, f- fairy ghosts. tales and in the mythological in the same like monotone language so yeah. like like it is this wonderful beautiful mix of just like like plain kind of like boring details mm-hmm. with like utter nonsense yeah um i'm um, a uh, author and academic matthew stretcher definitely he defines magical realism in a really cool way mm-hmm. he says it is quote what happens when a highly detailed realistic setting is invaded by something too strange to believe yes um, there's another context to Latin American magical realism, which is all about um, the 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 way that the people process colonialism. Yes. How like the mestizos and the indigenous and also the mix of the colonizers, how they came to comprehend themselves. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's rough, rough shit. It, it is. It, it, yeah. There, there's like a, a history of like some really like dark, like the dark histories of Latin America and also just yeah. the Americas in general. It's always been funny to me that, that like that United mm-hmm. like people from Amer- Americans, they make such a distinction between like the colonization of the Americas versus the colonization of Latin America. Yeah. I took I took a lot of courses in Latin American culture. I was very obsessed with it in my early 20s. Yeah. And it's just a source of fascination to me, like how diaspora worked and how... There is not a fucking difference, really. It is just the Spaniards who colonized a massive country versus the English who like colonized a fu- massive fucking country. Yeah, it's it's history. It always plays that kind of like it's, there's a favoritism yeah. there, and it's kind of like it's yeah. So it's and very like, self-serving. Yeah, the only <laughs> other like big difference is that um, the United States was colonized by Puritans, and the Latin Americas were colonized by Catholics. Yeah, that's really it. Um, which which fucks heavy minds and interest but. interestingly enough um yeah as tell you me s- what's interesting daniel well like specific- whip it out and again like this marcando is basically colombia like mm-hmm. and like you wouldn't know this just by reading the book on its own yeah. like i mean me being just like some american guy yeah i don't necessarily know the history of colombia at all oh tell the thing about the banana massacre yes so like for example specifically in this uh there is like there is a moment where um the mercando becomes like essentially a banana republic and uh there is a moment where um when the workers like rise up and demand better wages they like march and protest against like like the town center but essentially the town center it's a banana republic so it's being influenced by like you know like a like North American powers and whatnot. Yeah. And like, it's, it's, it's big business buying out basically a country to exploit them. Yes. Which is essentially like the it's, 20th it's, century form of colonialism. It's, it's, it's somehow even more insidious than regular colonialism. And this is also kind of like showing how like now in like modern and in postmodern times, let's say uh, that like, that like there are no nations anymore. There's only corporations. It's, yeah, it's the network thing. Cyberpunk. You know? uh, where yeah, like so essentially it's it's like countries. England doesn't doesn't take over a Latin American town, mm-hmm. but like a banana 
business will, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, then they they answer to fucking no one, which yeah. is even why, like, why, like, such crazy amounts of, like, like tyrannical rule and something like a massacre, like the banana massacre happens. Yes. Uh, for example, and I'll, I'll get to that in a moment, especially, um, but, like, for example, yeah, in this, in the book, and for example, there is, like, there is a massacre where basically... Uh, nobody survives except for two people. One of them being uh, uh, the Jose Arcadio, yeah. who I believe is the second generation, right? The, the yeah, the the sailor. He's one. the colonel's brother. Yes. Um, and he survives this, and like you know, he he suddenly becomes withdrawn. All I can say is like there were three thousand of them or something like that. Yeah. Um, and like, so like. And also because like the language of this is told so mundane and plain that like there's no different there's no there's no difference between the way he describes like the way someone gets up in the morning and a fucking massacre of thousands of people. Some a million things are happening on every page. Yes, Uh, and that's awesome. That that's that's also yeah that's okay that's actually something else I was gonna say. But um, so in this particular like yeah like there is like the usage of like language and also kind of like mixing like this these absolute surreal moments and whatnot. or using surreal language and also like like book mar- book uh, 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 ending this book like smart? these things with a book smarting this yes book ending this with like kind of like surreal moments and whatnot is that like I don't know it's how especially like like your average Latin American person can like basically like describe these things to kind of use like almost surreal languages and like yeah. fairy tales and, and mythology mm-hmm. um I mean all of like Mexican history is like this too where like it's very subjective and very open to like something uh, something happens and then uh someone who was there tells somebody else and by the time that person tells somebody else it's like a legend oh, like it's like this say purple monkey dishwasher purple monkey dishwasher oh that's that thing how dare you go on <laughs> um but uh no so like again like this is like apparently magical realism is basically like this very like especially latin american form of just basically kind of like relaying history let's say yeah you know yeah. It, it is a it's like like we've been discussing the past couple of weeks there is something to the the inherent perspective of someone of, a, of an other mm-hmm. that as middle class males i mean we're not white males but we were, we're middle class so we might as well be in certain degrees yeah, that like we didn't we didn't suffer like others have suffered so perceiving the inherent perspective something that's understood by a culture automatically without anyone sharing the words it's really really like fascinating rereading like marquez specifically mm-hmm. with that kind of vantage point of there is something understood in these texts that mm-hmm. you don't know unless you've been there or you researched it or you've lived it yeah True that. True that. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, like it, it's, and it's as kind of go back to what you said. I, I was trying to remember what the thing, it's like, what was that thing I put a, I put a pin on just for a moment? It's, it's mm-hmm. what you said about like, yeah, no, this is a lot of things happening. Um, summarizing the book would be impossible because, yeah. uh, Essentially, and this is a, might as well read the book aloud to you. This book, okay, so this book isn't the longest book in the world. It's no. only it's it's like four hundred pages, like in our formats and whatnot. Uh, lengthwise, it's one hundred forty forty thousand something words. Okay. Essentially, how so, many Gatsby's? Uh, well, Gear Gatsby's forty nine thousand. Okay, so, so three Gatsby's. So yeah, this is like a long book, but it's not like a long sure. book, right? Like uh, uh, Gone Girl is like one hundred fifty thousand words. So Gone oh. Girl is longer than this, right? That's that's kind of nuts. But that said, it's all about how like information. It's the kind of story this is something in this happens every single sentence of this something happens and it's told in a very like kind of like wordy language yeah it's very lyrical sometimes it sometimes is very annoying because it is like needlessly wordy at times mm-hmm. and like it tends to and again he focuses on every little detail of someone going on and whatnot and like so it's it's impossible to just take all of this and kind of 
put it very straight. I mean, we hardly talked about the Colonel. Yeah. We d- we hardly talked about, we're not going to talk about any of these people. Like the Rebecca. Pietro Crespi. Rebecca. Like yeah. we're not getting to her or mm-hmm. like for or a brief. Amaranto a, Ursula. <laughs> there's a page in the beginning that's like, it's a story about um like a, a, like a girl who's forced to like sleep with like 70 men a night to pay off like the yeah. debts of her family. Um, for and like apparently doing the math, it would take like ten years to pay it off or something like that. Like that's a page. Yeah. Um, and so like, there's something is happening all the time. I, 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 Gabriel, I said this to you off air. I was like, this is like Blood Marine, where something is always happening. Mm -hmm. This is not like we've read a lot of books where it's not about things happening. It's all about like what you get out of it. Yeah. This arguably is the diametric opposite. Things happening, and then also, but we focus on like the broad. Yeah, it's like uh, a grand tapestry that you can fixate on a single thing at any given time, or you can see it as a whole all the time, and it's 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 fucking fascinating. Wasn't it kind of biblical? Biblical, say, you it's know, very biblical. That, that's which is like, totally. but yeah, like again, like this is like a biblical thing where there's just there's so much fucking detail going on mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. Gabriel, well, <laughs> I think we're running a little long, Daniel. Are um, we? Well, yeah, I... I think we should. Um, we'll go on break and we'll play a game. And when we come back from the game, let's talk about our personal feelings on the book. Yes, that's actually a great idea, Gabriel. Yeah, do us a favor, please. Okay, throw us to break. All right, zip it up. Welcome back. Hi, everyone. Dear listener readers. What's cracking? To... Lightsaber. America's fast-paced literature podcast. Podcast, 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 I'm Daniel. I'm Gabe. And this is a podcast. What's up, guys? Uh, Gabriel. Yeah, Daniel. I have a game. A uh, 150 episode game? Uh, 150 episode 150 game. episodes. Yeah, really, the name of this game is 150 episodes of madness. There's at least 150 hours of recorded hours of us talking about books. Oh, that's bullshit. Probably more. Probably more. That's a crazy We've had two hour episodes. How many days is that? Mine up by 25. F- I'm not good at math. Four. Five? It's like six days. Mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like roughly, it's like longer than six days. Let's say a week. A solid week of us just fucking prattling on about wow. shit. Wow. Honestly, you know, hey, yeah, could, could be that. longer. That's it. Gabriel. It will be. Yeah. Gabriel. Yeah. So this is a trip down memory lane. Okay. I'm just going to test you on these things as we fondly recall previous nightmares. Sure. <laughs> Gabriel. Yes, Daniel. For your first question out of five. What's this game called? It's called 100 Episodes of Madness. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, for your first episode Cue out the of music. five. Cue the music. That's some good music. Mm. Gabriel. Yeah. For your first task, Ooh. put these episodes in chronological order. Chronological? Chronological. 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 Sure. Chronological order. Is that <clears throat> the next Dr. Dre album? Shush. Starship Troopers by Robert Heinlein. Okay. These are all books we covered now. Yeah, Dunna Fry and Snyder. Number two, New York City Special, which was recorded in a restaurant basement with Tashi Gonzalez and Eeb the Eeb. Yeah. And The Shadow Over Innsmouth by... H.P. Lovecraft. Boy, oh boy, that's tough. Okay, let's see here. Um, the best you can in chronological. Starship Troopers, New York City Special, Shadow over Innsmouth. Hmm. I think Starship Troopers was the last one, so that's number three. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other two, New York City Special, we were in town for some reason. Was mm-hmm. it for a concert or a comedy show? We might have been there to see Super Ego. It could have been. It might have been a Super Ego thing. I think that might have been it. And a new special, and what was the other one again? The Shadow Over Innsmouth. Okay, Shadow Over Innsmouth was our Dark Tower discussion episode. So I'm guessing it is, um, it's going to be New York special, Shadow Over Innsmouth, and then Starship Troopers. 
So you said New York City Special was the first one? Yes. So Shadow... Uh, 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 New, York, New York, Shadow, Starship. Starship. Gabriel, final mm-hmm. answer. Yeah. So correct? Slight, slightly off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because a burp is how you get rewarded. Mm-hmm. You get a burp in the face. Love it. Uh, slightly off. It goes Shadow over Inn's Mouth is the oldest. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, that was actually episode 19. Really? Episode 30 Starship Troopers. Oh, wow. Uh, and the third one was New York City Special. Shit, wow. Which was episode 31. I was way off. Yes. Uh, Gabriel. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so far, so far, no points, but that's hey, fine, wait, fine, we'll all make us up. Again, this is a trip down memory lane. Yeah, I don't remember Do any you of remember this. those fucking, I forgot about the New York City special. I, I remember that one. That was, uh, we were in a basement. Um, uh, Eve had a friend who's part of his, like, really cool punk rock, um, uh, collective, who may have not realized we were kidding about being a right-wing podcast. Yeah, no, she 100% wasn't kidding. Like, she, she, like, kind of, like, had, like, a final word, and then being like, I'm gonna go, guys, and then she left, and we're like... I don't think she realized we were joking. Hmm. Yeah. At that point, I think we stopped joking that we're a right winger. I think podcast. so. Yeah. I think that was the end Be- of that. Because we we're just like, you know what? You know, we should realize that people don't realize that that's a joke. Yeah. They don't know us well if they know us a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway. So um, that said, moving on. The second question for your second question. Actually, this is a question. Although yeah, hey. we have, there's actually different uh, levels of getting points for this because again, this sure. is just for fun. Great. Yeah. Okay. Gabriel. Yeah. Number two. Uh huh. What was the first appearance of Katie and Kakatak Kometz, the Zeitgeist Tragedy Catastrophe on do I get a, Readers? Do I get a multiple choice? or I will, but can you name it off the top of your head? Let me think. I think... No, was it Dark Water? There's no... You get no points off if you guess it wrong. Okay, hold on. Let me think about this. Let me think about this. Let me think about right. this. First time we had her in here. I feel like it was Black Water. I think it was Blackwater. No, because we made her read it afterwards. Yes. Um. So we had her... Was it a short story? Oh, gosh. I could also give you the multiple credit. Because I left halfway through the episode. It No, it was a 1917 or whatever. It was, no, it was, the, it was a Stephen King one mm-hmm. about the year 1922. 1922? Gabriel? I thought that too, but that was not their first no? appearance. No? What was it? Gabriel, well, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to give you a multiple choice. Okay. Which of the I'm going to name five episodes that we did. Sure. And those questions. And also, here's the thing. After I name them, I'll give you another point if you can list her uh, appearances in order. Oh, boy. But that said, which of these was her first appearance? Mm-hmm. Was it 1922 by Stephen King? Yes, not. Uzumaki by Jinji Junji Ito. She did that? Was it In no. a Dark, Dark Wood by Ruth Ware? Was it Nine in Nine, Just Before the War with the Eskimos by J.D. Salinger? Or was it Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut Jr.? And oh. here's the thing. Some of those, she wasn't in. Yeah, she wasn't in Uzumaki. Uzumaki was Ryan. Ryan hated it. He didn't that's, even finish that's it. That's true. Um, Cat's Cradle was just you and me, and I think Matt struck. Mm. So her first appearance would have been in A Dark, Dark Wood by Ruth Ware. Ga- oh, sorry, my Gabriel? Because that book sucked. Right, one thing. Yeah. First up, that is correct. Her first appearance was episode 17 in A Dark, Dark Wood. Gabriel, between... In a dark, dark wood, 1922, and just before the war with the Eskimos, what were, they, were her order of appearance? That was the order. Oh, yeah. I did read in that <laughs> order. I, I read them from, like, the correct answer, then it went top down. Yeah. Well, okay. I also realized from that process of elimination before. Yeah. We didn't do nine and nine for until we moved into Top Count Cove. Yeah. So, okay, bro. Good job. That is, let's say, two points. Yeah. Uh, Keep track. You got two points. Two points. All right. So, moving on. Yep. Number three. Okay. Again, returning to the classic 
put these episodes in order. Death in the Woods by Sherwood Anderson. Oh, boy. The Lesser Evil, which is from uh, The Last Wish by Andrei Sapkowski. Mm-hmm. Or East of Eden by John Steinbeck. So, uh... And they're all within the same 20-episode block. Okay. Uh, what was the first one again? Death in the Woods. That's the first one we did. Lesser Evil, East of Eden. No. Um, Lesser Evil, um... And then it was Death in the Woods, and then it was East of Eden. All right. Final answer? Yes. Yay! Yeah, bro, that is correct. Uh, that order was The Lesser Evil by Andrei Sapkowski, which is 76. Mm. Death in the Woods by Sherwood Anderson, which was 87. And then East of Eden, which was nine, uh, 98. I almost said 1998. Boy, what a long, strange trip it's been. I know. What a long, what a long, strange trip. Do you remember those books? I do. All good stories. Yeah, all I really good like stories. those stories. Yeah, no. I forgot we did Death in the Woods. All right. Gabra. Yeah. Moving on. By Jobby. Four. Sherwood Jobby Anderson. What was episode 50? <laughs> and I'll give you another point if you can guess the uh, title that is listed in the actual. Um, thing. That would have been Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Mm-hmm. And I believe he labeled it as Wizard School Part 1. Yes. Uh, I'll give you credit for that. One second. Yeah. Um, both it, it was uh, Harry Potter. Um, it was li- it's listed as Wizard School colon parts one through seven colon part one by <laughs> wow. J.K. Rowling. Wow, Gabriel, yeah, very that, good. That, that, that's really gonna boost our SEO. Hell yeah, Gabriel. Yep. Moving on, our our most like like <laughs> listener friendly book, and we don't even list the name of the title. <laughs> Gabriel. Yep. They should know that Wizard School should yeah. only refer to Harry Potter. We want the bit more than we want the listeners. We want the bit, goddammit. We yep. went for the bit. Yep, we committed to the bit. Gabriel. Yep. Moving on, fifth and final question? Question. Oh, my goodness. Number five. Mm-hmm. What was the name slash subject of our infamous Eve episode where we recorded very drunk in a hotel room after recording a festival. The episode was um, Dream Adaptations. Yeah. <laughs> it was supposed to be a, what's it called, a Witcher thing. Yeah. But and then it said it was like top five Dream Adaptations. And... Yeah. Eve did not read the story. <laughs> no, he tried to read it while we are getting drunk. It didn't really work out. Yeah, but we also like, we're like, hey, here's the, you have like two weeks to read the short story. Yeah, he just didn't, didn't do it. Uh, the name of the, the title of that episode was Top 5 Dream Adaptations with Ibrahim Amadeus Omar. Yes. <laughs> Real listeners, so um, if you want to hear any of these, our back catalog for the most part is online. It's on Stitcher. It's uh-huh. on um, Apple Podcasts. Um, yeah. Daniel, have you been updating the website? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm on the website. You can listen to all the back episodes the, back that way. I was gonna say, yeah. The, well, the uh, if you go to topgunradio.com and then look up like slow readers, you can actually listen to like all like the older episodes and whatnot. Yeah, they are sloppy. They are crazy, but they were supposed to be crazy. Yeah, but no, really. If if you if you're really into a in joke heavy fucking delirious drunk time, <laughs> I really like our Dream Adaptations episode. It gets crazy. It gets contentious. We get even more drunk. We accuse <laughs> Eve of farting multiple times. <laughs> I uh, I went I, I listened to the thing. Point is he just yeah. like 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 Eve? Are you, is that you breathing? What do you want me to do? Stop breathing! It was awesome because because again like I'm entering the show here. <laughs> yeah, and again, everyone, let, let us point that Ibrahim Omar, one of our favorite people, one of our best friends. Yes, he is a documentary filmmaker in New York City. So he's he's not nothing. He's a he's a kick ass dude. He's a fucking awesome dude. So, yeah. and he's out there fucking killing it, man. Yeah, check out No Flowers uh, for White Powers. Yeah, it um, <laughs> it uh, it, it it yeah no, like I it, there's a the the what do you call it the um 
the chapter headings and like the notes. One of them was like the jalapeno knife story, and I was like, "What was that? <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember? What I story do was? remember that. Yeah. It, it, like for the listener's sake, it, the whole point is that like he has like, let me tell you about the jalapeno knife fight, right? And we're like, what is that? And he tells like this roundabout shaggy dog story about like all these characters and whatnot, and he gives them characters and personalities. And the story was essentially like. He met some guy who like invited him back to his place and they were super high and they were cutting jalapenos with like proper kitchen knives. Some uh like uh, a woman who lived with a guy showed up was like I'm not dealing with this shit walked away. Eve said like oh at some point like he could attack me with a knife but I could also do the same for him and he just went home. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, Eve is a interesting individual, a wonderful guy and he's become something of like a like a classic Jonathan Ames where every time I see him he's done some kind of bonkers fucking thing cuz he just gets loaded and just sees where the night takes him. Yes, exactly. Which is funny cuz he was like a real milk toast back in high, back in college. Used to be. <laughs> yeah, now now that dude's lived like way more wild times than I ever did. Now he's got a fire up his ass. Yeah, he does. Game out. Yeah. That's it. Uh, that was a game. Good job. You won. I won. Woo! I know. I remember our show. You remember the show very well. I actually remember far less. Uh, uh, Gabriel? Yep. We'll throw it to break. When we come back, we have final thoughts. Any kind of like deeper kind of like reflections on the story. Sure. We're going to talk about what we're going to do next. And also hazy memories. Cool. Gabriel, throw us to break. You got it. Welcome back. Hello, everyone. Dear listener readers. How are you? Two slow readers. You're a weekly fast-paced literature podcast. Brought to you by books. Brought to you by reading. 150 fucking 150 books. 150 fucking episodes. It's not 150 books. Daniel, <laughs> did you, no. Did you ever think we'd make it this far? No. No? I mean, the whole thing was supposed to start as a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, essentially was, Gabriel, as I say, every big anniversary and milestone number is that the whole joke is that, like, I didn't want to do another movie podcast. You and Ryan were doing that. You're doing a wonderful job. And, but we had done that already with also that's on my list. Mm-hmm. Instead, I was like, like, oh, I have all these books I need to read. What if we did a literature podcast and not treated it seriously? Yeah. <laughs> and that's fun. that's how it started. Hey, my uh, my other suggestion was you and I start a podcast called The Weather Report, and it would be you and me five days a week having a discussion about anything that's not the weather. That's actually fine. I like that idea. That's actually a good idea. Yeah. Hey, well, we can, we can, we can, we can end bail this on this show. shit. Yeah. Last episode, 150 episodes. 150 episodes. Last That's one. That's a lot farther than we thought we'd get. And yeah. we can start doing the weather report where it's just nothing but fucking nonsense. Gabriel. Yeah. That's it. Final thoughts. Gabriel. What? what? Okay. <laughs> 100, 100 years of solitude. Mm-hmm. Oh, 150 years of this sure. shit. Uh, Gabriel. Uh, 100 Years of Solitude. Do you have final thoughts, reflections, like what well, the story means I'd to you? I actually want to interrupt and put it to you first. Okay. As part of the final thoughts, I suppose. So let's get more personal feelings. Okay. Um, This is your second time reading it. When yeah. was the first time? And what did you think of it? Uh, the first time was actually right before uh, uh, we actually started doing this show. In fact, because an ex-girlfriend wanted to do a like a remote like book, uh, uh, book club podcast and like we got two books. Oh, she wanted to do a stopped. podcast. I thought you just wanted. A, to do a I'm book sorry, club. just like a bu- no. I, okay. I, every time I say book club, I always have to say podcast next to it because that's just how my mind works right now. <laughs> um, but like a book club, and we got like two books in and stopped doing it. Yeah. Um, because you guys did a hundred years of solitude. One hundred years of solitude. Blood Meridian. And then like I was like Blood Meridian. Well, here's something that's also very very dense and hard to get into. <laughs> and like and both things like we both kind of failed at either one of them. Where like this one when I first read it, it's like this is great, but fuck man, this book is long. Yeah. Um, they both are. Uh, but. Anyway, that's it. Um, so yeah, like rereading this, and also kind of like, oh, well, how'd you feel the first time? The first time, it, I mean, this book is like, I mean, I I can't imagine what this feels like to every single person. We should all have our own thing, right? I viewed this list as, I when I when I read this, I, I kind of like was relating it more to like outright fantasy. 
I don't know the history of Colombia. I, I barely knew anything about Banana Republics. Like, I, I think I learned about Banana Republics after 100 Years of Solid, after mm-hmm. reading it. After um, you bought all those polo shirts. And whatnot. And so, like, the idea, the idea is that, like, this is Garcia Marquez telling the mythology of Colombia, yeah. right? And, like, that's basically what every single, like, actual, like, real fantasy story actually tends to do unless like because i think right now and i don't want to get too much into it because it's a very big subject and like i don't have a fully idea this is something i'm i should do as like an essay or something like that down the line do it but like um make a youtube video when 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 uh tolkien did his uh, uh lord of the rings and the hobbit like he wasn't writing like adventure stories that already had a mold he was inventing something but more or less he was writing about mythology of england mm. and the the hobbits of them are supposed to be like the english hero essentially like that's that's what that is and that's what the story is the fantasy genre just became people who wanted to do the talking thing sure uh and this this is basically him doing that it's him telling like like the myth like a story about the mythology of colombia in like a surrealist fantastical way and uh, and yeah, this is very much about like the Latin American spirit necessarily. And I can like, dig that. And, and um, that's something I know you've been getting more and more interested in as you've explored your Mexican roots. Yes, and uh, and and again, just also like focusing on American mythology and whatnot. Uh, just like like our relation to that, and in a way, like I'm also I picked up and I was reading probably one of my favorite first thirds of a book ever. Uh, from Cormac McCarthy's the, the The Crossing, which is another like mythological story of, that like is referring to the mythology of like a certain region. Is that the one about the wolf? That is the one about uh, Billy Parham trying to uh, rescue a wolf and, and drag it back to Mexico, which he thinks it's its homeland. Mm. Um, and uh, and that actually is more much more like this than than you know anyone gives it credit for, especially since McCarthy apparently doesn't like Latin American authors, which is crazy because it's like Interesting. yeah, but, yeah, but you're you did that. Um, that's pretty heavy. It's, I it's, it's in, I feel like he says like I feel like uh, his big thing is that he said the it's so hard to convince people that like the real stuff is real that like I don't understand why people would do something like magical realism. Interesting. That said, I think he's more like magical, re- more like Garcia Marquez than he realizes. Sure. <laughs> um, but that said, uh, but that's like an interesting mix between like mythology and real history and whatnot. Like look at, again, look at Blood Marine, look at the crossing. Like he writes about that stuff. So there's an interesting thing about like magical realism like literature in this kind of way and also like the fantastical and like the fantasy genre where like they're not as dissimilar than they realize and i I think it's an interesting thing to explore that i will explore later gabriel yes daniel so you read this 15 years ago yeah you're um, a teenager yeah freshman year of college okay how did you how did you feel about it then when you first read it your namesake too yeah my namesake too it was always a big deal my parents had always been wanting me to read these that like you know very charmingly way back when my parents always tell like a little anecdote that um, my dad's favorite book of Marquez's was uh, 100 Years of Solitude. Mm-hmm. And my mom's favorite... Was, no, I'm sorry. Out the way around. Um, my mom's favorite, 100 Years of Solitude. My dad's favorite is 100 Years of... Co- I'm sorry. 100 Years of Cholera. <laughs> Love and Time of Cholera. And um, uh, and they never finished reading the other. Was that like a threequel? That was a threequel? Yeah. Like 100, 100 Years, years of, of Cholera. cholera. <laughs> Endgame. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. I was, uh, I was the one who read both of them. And I loved them both. When I was 18... Um, I did not get magical realism. Uh-huh. I wasn't really in the headspace to get magical realism. You know, I was young. I was like breaking out on my own for the first time, and that was around the time where I was getting more and more into what like uh, shit like Nick Hornby uh-huh. or uh, or Martin Amos, like um these very very narrative forward like like narration voice forward tales of like not debauchery but like of individual heartache and 
I, I was really, really against poetry when mm. I was younger because I just didn't get it. And and when I read Hundreds of Solitude, I'm like, this is this is a very good book. This is very important. And I really, I, I understand it. It's just, this is a good book. But I definitely like Love in the Time of Cholera more because it's a straightforward love story. Yeah, it's more straight. Also, um, I believe you also really love uh, Chronicle of Death Foretold. Um, my favorite was always Memories of Melancholy Whores. Okay. I always thought that, that was your favorite. No, Chronicle of Death, I think, is really great. But mm. my favorite was, for a very long time, Memories of Melancholy Whores. Might still be. I'm not yeah. sure. But... Uh, the funny thing is that, and uh, like ten years later, fifteen, fifteen fucking years later, oh my mm-hmm. god, how did that happen? Um, I have grown to appreciate the quiet, and I've grown to appreciate more, not holy poetry, and because I remember being eighteen and being like, I don't get it. She just, she's the beautiful one, just just flies off. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I remember railing against it to people, being like, What is magic girl? It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And, of course, 18-year-old Gabe, you didn't understand because you're fucking stupid. Hmm. And now, as an older man, I'm sure I don't understand it totally myself, but I recognize the bigger picture, the poetry, the beauty of it all, that it's not meant to be taken literally, little shit. It's supposed to be taken in as a whole, Mm -hmm. as something symbolic, something deeper, something more magical. And so, this time around, I really, really took my time, and I really enjoyed it a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. I don't... I'm not like married to magical realism. I still don't really like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still like Bukowski against well, my better judgment. Yeah, we should say, yes, yeah, I was like, uh, when you were saying it's like, I was reading things that are about like quote unquote debauchery, and I was like, you know, you would like Bukowski oh, a I lot love more Bukowski. than I, You do actually, you don't really talk about it all that much. Well, because I, I think I recognize how sh- how not great it is. Well, but Factotum and Ham on Rye are amazing books. Well, at, at some point in the future, I'm going to do a sort of Bukowski pick sort of i think you already okay. know what it is i told you what it was but i, I think you did i, I hope you don't remember but uh but that's so we can kind of discuss it a little more yeah. but like how like the importance of bukowski is capturing true to his perspective yeah so like and that's what true art is so yeah. like in a, in a way he's like yeah that's that's his thing and it, you might not disagree with his kind of perspectives but it's more about him just capturing his thing but, you know what i totally believe that and you know Speaking of understanding poetry late in life, I mean, mm-hmm. Bukowski is a perfect example of that. The man didn't write poetry till he was like late in life. Yeah. So the more I, I'm sure I'm going to come back to Solitude again in the next 10 years and appreciate and love it even more than I do now. Yeah. Uh, there's 20 chapters. They're unmarked. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I feel like there's this thing where it's like if you go through in a month to reading a chapter a day, like in this book, like that would basically be the ideal way to read it. Mm-hmm. Just taking your time. Like treating it like in a way that people used to like, kind of like, like make a practice of reading the Bible. <laughs> yeah, you know, not to make this again or say that this is as Genesis. important as Genesis or whatever, but that, that I feel like that's the best way to do this. But yeah, no, that uh, that said, um, yeah, not entirely always married to the way uh, to the way this is written mm-hmm. as well sometimes, um, because like this is again a hard, hard, hard literature, and I have no idea what this is like in the original Spanish. You. You, didn't you say that like this is a very complicated form of Spanish that's written in? Yeah, an ex-girlfriend, um, uh, the, the one I talk about all the time, the one who's a very good reader and who's a horrible human being. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. <laughs> but, but she, um, uh, um, Ecuadorian, mm-hmm. incredibly well-read, and she found it almost impossible to get through the book in Spanish. And she's a fluent native speaker. Uh, uh, she had to keep on. She had to stop and frequently ask her parents, "What does this word mean?" <laughs> that it was. It's written in a very high, highly literal literary style. Okay. And as a as a First, like second generation American who only spoke like 
conversant Spanish for her. She couldn't get through it. Yeah. I wonder if this does. I mean, I, I have no idea exactly like what would be confusing because like in the English translation, which I'm assuming most of us out there will be reading, um, like the word choices aren't complex. They're very simple. Like mm-hmm. the language itself is simple. Yeah. It's the sentence structure, which is yeah, like the, the tensing. It's the tensing, like all sentences are fucking long. Yeah. <laughs> like un, un, for some reason, like, let me just read a random sentence. This is my, I, I wanted to point this out. This is from page 60 to 61, right? Yeah. It is just a single block of text. Like there's yeah. no paragraphs. There's no like, like, like dialogue and whatnot. It, it's just pure text. And every sentence kind of reads like this. He showed them the steps without touching them, keeping time with the metronome under the friendly eye of Ursula, who did not leave the room for a moment while her daughters had their lesson. Well, Pietro Crispy. Like there is like a simple way to say the simpler way to say that and also phrase it. But like, it's not. I love it. And and like everything is kind of phrased in that way. I think it's beautiful. It's it's. And again, like it's kind of like like these guys were huge fucking Faulkner nerds, right? Yeah. <laughs> All Isn't that of wild? And like uh, there's this really great thing that also was quoted in the John Green video. Um, that like G- G- Garcia Marquez and clearly magical realism in this story kind of relates to. It is this thing that Faulkner said where like um, it's like it's like you can learn like oh fuck it, it's like <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what it was now. You I've, can I've lead a horse up. to water, but you can't be good. Med- no, it was it float up. It was something like it'll eat white wall. Like like facts almost have no have have a no real bearing in truth or something like that. Oh yeah you know it was something along those lines but it was yeah. saying like it's like you can tell truth but like facts aren't important yeah you know and there's and of course right now us being in 2020 being where we have been in the past like half decade essentially about truthfulness and the and facts and truthiness and truthiness and fake news and everything like that like th- there's a very interesting thing that we could talk about ever since you know but anyway um yeah, the, the older you get the less you understand yeah and Admitting that you know nothing is some of the wisest things that you'll ever Socrates. Yeah. Gabriel. Yep. So uh, we could talk about this for like another 50 minutes. We could make a whole uh, podcast talking about this book. Honestly, like that would actually be like a not bad decision. Like uh, every episode is just a chapter. <laughs> yeah. Or, or a fucking page. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm all for that, to be honest with you. That's a great thing. But um, yeah, that's well, a, let's do our other show. The weather report. Gabriel. Yeah. Oh, very important. This is actually an episode of. Stranded. 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 Sir Gabriel. Stranded list. Stranded list. Yeah. All right. Uh, Poison. Got lightheaded doing that. <laughs> that said, it's time for us to roll what we're going to do next. Yeah. Is this exciting? Also, because again, we're not necessarily going to do this book next. Yes. And so <laughs> with our adjusted rules, we've been rolling an 80-sided die to decide which one to do. Um, But because we had a streak where we did nothing but massive fucking tomes like five in a row kind of like 100 years of solitude yeah we decided <laughs> that um if we land in one we don't like we can instead 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 choose one we want to do last year we were very strict about it and we went through quite a few of these more than i even realized yes we did a lot we did a lot anyway. so i think we're just gonna make a choice and i think it's my choice if it is uh yeah, I mean it's your choice, whatever. Sure, we'll, we'll roll, see how it goes. I don't give no fucks. They so Gabriel, take take out that eighty sided die. Okay, okay, okay. Let me get it, let me let me let me wheel it in. Right, don't Oof. You, use your use your use your oh, back, it's... not your knees, or use your knees, not use your, your back. Use your knees, not your back. Okay, because I have knees. a fucked up back from my years of carrying kegs. Mm. All right, so Gabriel. Yeah. Here we go. Give us a roll. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Seventeen. Seventeen. Ooh. Oh, 
well, crime and punishment. <laughs> oh, it's like one. It's like I want to read that. It's also very long, but it's crime and punishment. I did just buy a really nice edition of it too. Oh, maybe I'll get the audiobook. No, I think I, that I that I buy the two parter in an ancient paperback. That might have been it. I was either the idiot. Want to go to the bookstore today? It's like five. And the city's in lockdown, but whatever. You should be social distancing. I don't know. I might be going to the bar because we're having a meeting. <laughs> oh, no, like the, the, the manager was like, hey, guys, we're closing. Um, If you want to come in and talk about it and drink on the house for a little while, then you can do that. Okay. Well, it's up to you if you want to do that. I mean, we could go to the bookstore. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. One, one cost money. fucking... Go to anyway. the bookstore? But it doesn't cost nothing. Um, so, Daniel, do you want... Okay. Okay. I'll tell you what my choice is going to be if you want to do that what, one instead. What was your choice? Yeah. Um, I was going to say we either do Jane Eyre or uh, do Pride and Prejudice. Hmm. So you have three options, Daniel. What would you rather do? How about this? Let's do let's do straight up Pride and Prejudice. Okay. And then and then after that, do Crime and Punishment. I do really want to do good. both of those. How about this? Both of those are the books that I'm sure a lot of people out there read for school. I've never read them for school. And Daniel, if you want, like I've been threatening to make you do, we can watch the five-part BBC Colin Firth adaptation, which is really one of the best things I've ever seen, period. Gabriel, we will see. It's That's really a, good. I know. I'm sure it is. It's, it's incredible. really good. But let's try it. Let's focus on reading because okay. this is a fucking goddamn so book our podcast. next strand eighty pick is Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Hey, which how we'll, exciting! Which we'll hopefully do very soon. Yeah, I'll, I'll get an audiobook yeah. and kind of like breeze through that. However, our next actual pick we'll be doing. What is that, Daniel? Remember way back, speaking of fifteen years ago, 15 when I was in the Brooklyn ago. College Anime Club, and I stopped you. You were I think you were still at Penn State. Yeah. And I stopped, I messaged you on Instant Messenger, because that's how back along it was. And I said, Daniel, have you heard of this anime called The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya? And I went, no, man, I'm too good for that. Actually, that's not true at all. Back then, I was like, no, I haven't. I'm going to look at it right now. And I watched it. And I was like, this is great. Because it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So it was based on a novel, or a light novel, as it's called in Japan. It's a wonderful anime series. Can't recommend it enough. One of my all-time Oh, favorites. is this a light novel? Yeah. Oh, cool. And it is by Nagaru Tanigawa. And we are reading the first book in the series. And I think it's the only one we're going to be doing of the series because mm-hmm. I haven't read any of the others. We are reading The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya by Nagaru Tanigawa. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. And that's what we'll be doing next week? Yeah. All right, cool, dude. We're doing this next week. Uh, excited listeners out there, join us! Yeah, as we ex- all you SOS Brigade members, as we explore the depths of Japanese light novels yeah. that are that uh, animes have been based on. Wasn't this yeah. manga as well? It had to have been. Yeah, it was made with manga too, right. but this is this is the original source. Well, we'll get into the history of this. Also, you're doing the research for this because that's this is your fourth. Gladly, time. shit, I'm just gonna rewatch the whole series. And I, I will do, I'll do a, a quiz, and it's just all Evangelion questions. Sure. <laughs> hey, we'll do it again. Uh, what was the name? Was that, what was the name of the game that we did with Evangelion? Your poop face. No, I think it was it was it was played. That wasn't if, a full sentence. Yeah, it was played <laughs> if um Dr. Philip Porta. Uh, yeah, well, it was, it I was remember Evangelion quotes or something like that. I don't remember what it was. What what, what was that? What, what did I, wait, how do we do that and the Dick Lovers? Oh, we did a different Dick Lover game. That's different, right? 
What the fuck was that? Arnold, was it a quote from... Was, it was either a quote from Philip K. Dick or it was a quote from um, Evangelion, I think. Was that what it was? I think so. Okay. I, I do remember... 150 remember episodes. 150 episodes of this bullshit. Yeah. Gabriel. It has been a long one. Can you imagine six years... That's not true. That's not mathematically hey. true. Three years know. from now. Yeah. When we're at episode 300? Hey, very possible. And you know what? We're all just like... Do you remember back when we had bodies? Back when we had... <laughs> souls when our when our mental consciousness weren't uploaded to the outer net when i could breathe without help of this apparatus yes do you remember okay so do you remember, can you imagine years from now when we look back at this and just be like look at all this shit yeah when i finally transitioned into my dream of being a dolphin that's a reference to south park it is hey anyway <laughs> i was thinking about i've been thinking about south park quite a bit lately just like all the good moments Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I have no real interest in seeing like the last like several seasons I haven't seen, but yeah, good, I dig it. Good times. Anyway, this is now a South Park podcast. We're going to talk about all our favorite South Park moments. Podcast, podcast, Gabriel, Gabriel. What's your favorite South Park podcast? Um, my favorite episode is the one um the 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 the, the breast cancer show um ever. Which one is that about? That's the one where Wendy's trying to raise awareness about breast cancer, and Cartman just keeps on being a shithead about it, <laughs> and she threatens to kick his ass, and the whole episode is him trying to get out of fighting her. Oh, that's it. Yeah. That's, that episode is genius. I love that episode. It, I, it's I, truly genius. All Cartman and Wendy interactions are great. Yeah. I, do, I think it's a completely different episode, but like anytime Wendy tries to like put out her opinion on something, like Cartman just goes, boo, Wendy. Boo. <laughs> like even at like the third time she does it she's like agreeing with everybody and mm. Cartman still goes boo <laughs> yeah. yeah my favorite is Bat Dad um, that's a great episode that is a fucking nonsensical beautiful piece of shit I yes. mean it's one of that's it anyway Gabriel uh-huh. uh huh uh 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 150 more hours let's do it alright that's it let's end this one okay alright wait we're plugging oh that's right and <laughs> And hazy memories? I straight up... No, really? We didn't do that either. Fuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought we were ending the episode. No, 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 no. Gabriel, years from now, what yes. do you remember? Uh, the 100 Years of Solitude. I mean, you might already have hazy memories. You've I read do. this already. Yeah, absolutely. Gabriel, what are your actual hazy memories from 100 Years of Solitude? So, hazy memories in honor of our dear friend Sean Hayes of the Whip Around podcast. Listen to Whip Around every Wednesday for all your weird news and needs. Um, my hazy memory from this from back then always was... The the one I just made a joke about the idea that when Remedios the beauty gets lifted, mm-hmm. and as a as an eighteen year old I'm like that's so stupid, but now I'm really like it's the the writing and the lyricism and the images and mm. just the way it's told. It's not even like like full flowery lyrical. It's lyrical like it's, like it's passages. Plain, yeah, yeah, poetry <laughs> can be. And um, it's 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 wonderful. It's like I Bel- love it. It's like Bolaño's poetry, where it's like, but Bolaño is like super mundane. Yeah, I'm still thinking about like like Pietro Crispi. I've never stopped thinking about that guy. Yeah. Great little story. Uh, my... What about you, Daniel? What's your hazy memory? You my know, shiny My hazy memory, for example, is just like. Again, like the kind of uh, yeah, like these really poignant kind of like like spikes of just like utter like surrealism and whatnot. Like mm. yeah, there is there is the the woman who just like is lifted off of space. She's literally too good for the shit. She floats away. Yeah, she eats poop. Yeah, and um, oh, she uh, eats it. She plays with it. Does she play with poop? She plays with poop. I don't remember that. Um, that said, uh, I remember that part. <laughs> you can't forget that. Yeah. Uh no, my my one of my favorite moments is when uh, Jose Arcadio Buendia actually dies. Which one? The, no, the original. The tree one. Uh, Jose Arcadio Buendia is clearly the first one. That's true. Um, but he he's only one referred to constantly as his full name. Um, 
but uh but like for example at that point like towards the end of his life he becomes like first he's like super obsessed he's very withdrawn and then he starts growing mad uh and like he literally has to be tied down to a tree and then at some point he like the in unintelligible like garble he's been saying actually turns out to be like just like straight up latin or something like that yeah but uh, essentially when he eventually does die due to old age um uh, basically, like this whole city just starts raining uh, ye- yellow flowers, essentially, and it's and, and like just that moment, the idea that this the guy who's like the the patriarch of this, uh, you know, has like this ignominious death and whatnot, and then like the city just like rains yellow flowers, and um, like something like just really kind of like. It's like you forgot about this guy who like fucking faded away and yeah. is like this mad fucking beast tied to a tree, and then he passes away, and yet there's still this moment of just like reverence for him yeah you know it, it, like th- like th- there's that little moment and again it's not necessarily poetry in the language but it's like the poetry and just like the imagery and like the actual context and the event and whatnot it's beautiful it's, it's really it's really stunning and honestly when i think about this especially things you want to take away from it it's like something like that yeah that's a let's take this big piece of shit and throw it away this shit piece of pit i already threw the book to the side yeah so did i actually shit i'm sorry anyway. I, I completely lost track of the structure daniel you want to plug for us <laughs> yeah uh you can follow me at twitter at top gun radio but i'm more active on instagram at little readers yeah. should be more active on twitter let's be honest yeah um and uh you can also buy my fiction right now which is all available at all ebook retailers <laughs> but primarily in paperback on uh, amazon Tits. they are a cook in the kingdom which is great and the shadow from the deep which is also great five Pe- stars people tend to read that one a little more uh cook in the kingdom also has five stars by the way hey. i don't know who actually put that on there but uh but yeah no that's up there uh, uh check them out guys gabriel plug um ladies and gentlemen if you haven't done it already please check out self-evident asian america's stories it is a cultural heritage documentary podcast um about the asian american experience mm. i wrote and produced and i performed episode three the talk we were supposed to have it is about my life i'm very very proud of it and it was featured on the av club wink so very proud of that. Um, besides that, follow me on Instagram at read.richards. Read like reading a book. Uh-huh. And keep your eyes out for more projects coming up. We're always busy. And we forgot to do our branding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, no, the moment you started saying that, I was our call like, to action. we forgot to do yeah. that in the beginning. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, especially in these trying times, please, we need your help. Press one button to help our show. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to press more, then we're very grateful. But... Take your phone in your hand, unless you're driving, and press one button to help us out. Press follow, or press subscribe, or press a star count. Do anything to help us grow our show, because we like to grow more and more. We can go live one day, maybe. Who knows? So, um, if you could be bothered to write a review, please do that. We need you. Gabriel. Yes, Daniel. I just brought this up the first time in a long-ass time. We got an extra written review. Really? Five stars. I feel like I'm sitting at a table with, and there's ellipses, finally a podcast that is honest about liking, or absolutely hating, both popular and unpopular reads, instead of pompously pretending to have an opinion for the sake of being book people. Lighthearted and relatable, I found you guys when I wanted to find accurate opinions on Diary of an Oxygen Thief. Uh, boy, that was not uh, a book that we liked. Uh, that was a good one. Keep the podcast going, P.S. Johnny No Thumbs has no life. <laughs> yeah, wait, who, is there a name on that? Hey, yeah, it's Kira Talent. Awesome. That's not a person we know. That's not a person we know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is great. Thank you very much. Thank Kira you, Kira. Town. Town. Oh, my that's, goodness. That's very kind of you to that's say. That's awesome. And that's it. Hey, let's be nice to Johnny No Thumbs. I yeah. Mean, I, honestly, he, he is a I part of the a, show. I think he has a daughter. He is a Johnny No Thumbs? Yeah, I, I stalked him. 
Oh, he does? Yeah. <laughs> if, by the way, guys, if you leave a negative review, we're going to follow you. We're going to follow life. you, bro. <laughs> we will respect your privacy, Kira. Thank you yes. so much for the review. That's amazing. That's really nice. And we, again, if you love us or hate us, we love these written reviews. They're yeah. fantastic. No, we love them. We'll, we'll read every single one on air. Yeah, totally. And uh, and yeah, that said, um, now we've reached the end of the show. Yeah, now it's really the time. <laughs> Gabriel, uh-huh. 150 years. 150 years, episodes? 150 years of, of solitude? this. 150 years of solid 150 years of slow readers yeah or 150 episodes of solitude yeah gabriel yep end the show all right bye everyone have a good time stay safe wash your hands wash your hands this has been a top count radio production executive produced by daniel gonzalez and gabriel mara for more shows and information go to topcountradio.com. radio.com